This week in the parish of bourses and market structure. Crypto is dead. Long live crypto, goes my argument in an op-ed for City AM. The FDIC issues a blistering cease and desist crypto warning. And the New York Stock Exchange have a billion dollar tick tweak. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 158. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. A price improvement study, as explained by COO Michael Blaugrund from the NYSE this week on LinkedIn, explains that a little tick tweaking here and investors can save a billion dollars or so. What's not to like about the concept of tick harmonization? The Hong Kong exchanges, they're going to be diversifying products and pursuing listing reforms in the special administrative region of China. HKEX CEO Nicholas Agazin was revealing that plan in interviews in the aftermath of the HKEX results. Meanwhile, Stock Connect, it's going to have fewer holidays next year thanks to the wonders of the calendar and weekend coincidence. That ought to bring a $110 billion trading boost to Hong Kong exchanges and the pertinent Chinese mainland Forces in Shanghai and Shenzhen. The UNCDF, that's the UN Capital Development Fund, they have signed a Memorandum of Understanding to help develop Cambodia's security sector. Over in Bangladesh, they're having problems due to cabinet directives to save electricity in the wake of the current Various issues relating to the power supply the world over. The new timing for all stock exchanges in Bangladesh will be from 9.30am to 1.50pm. That started last Wednesday, the 24th of August. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent, You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. In results this week, it was a busy week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. Singapore Exchange Group, they posted record revenue. 
But unfortunately, net profits were only up fractionally. Revenues up 4% to overall 794.3 million US dollars. EBITDA, however, only creeping up 1%. ASX Limited, their revenue was up 7.5%. Their profits slightly better in improvement terms than the SGX, up 5.7%. And meanwhile, NZX, they were a bit more flattish, a bit da up 2.8% over the course of the quarter. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. New markets this week. Another busy week for new markets. And of course, naturally, what else could I say at this juncture? But, ladies and gentlemen, all of the details of the new markets that are coming, developing with added pith, can be found in Exchange Invest Daily. Anyway, Russia, they have presented a proposal to create a new precious metals exchange. They're even proposing their own ambitious international standard for precious metals, dubbed the Moscow World Standard. Presumably, if you don't settle promptly on the Moscow world standard, a man called Vladimir ensures three division of tanks arrive to demand the trade is made good. Over in deal news this week, lots of buybacks taking place. The Hellenic exchanges, they've been buying back their own shares, as has the London Stock Exchange Group. Meanwhile, a bit of revaluation rumba. Robinhood, they slashed their acquisition offer to crypto app Ziglu by more than half. An aggressive unilateral reprice has the Musk Twitter playbook spawned a trend in fintech, I wonder. Elsewhere, Zagreb Bursa, they're on the open market, boosting their stake in their Skopje counterpart, the Macedonian Stock Exchange, to 29.98%. Good news from Cape Town, the stock exchange there, that's the native city Fintech-based stock exchange looking to encourage SME business. They announced the closing of a $5 million or 85 million rand funding round. Elsewhere, Valerium, that is of course the group of which PLY, the person talking to you from behind the microphone today, is an executive director. Valerium, we conditionally acquired a major shareholding in Binance Limited in exchange for the sale of our Bitcoin mining assets and Bitcoin holdings. Can't say much about this as an insider, but the modest mining arm of Valerium has been sold on to one of the biggest VLRM investors. David Lenegas and an associate will now build Binance so that they will be concentrating on their aspect of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency mining, while Valerium will concentrate on its previous public aims of a Gibraltar stock exchange takeover, awaiting regulatory permission, and NFT projects. If you're looking to try and understand better what all this fintech malarkey means for you, then remember there's a book for you. Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World with a foreword by Jeff Sprecher is my most recent tome discussing the future of finance, markets, the blockchain, cryptocurrency and much, much more. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Don't forget also that you can access a huge raft of information free of charge. Go to, for instance, YouTube and look for our IPO-vid, where you can find a huge number of different live stream interviews as recorded over the course of the last couple of years. And that series is coming back in just a few weeks' time.
In Cryptoland this week, well, I have to lead with something that I contributed myself. Crypto is dead. Long live crypto. That was the message that was coming from my opinion editorial piece op-ed in the City AM newspaper, the voice of the City of London itself. It was midsummer. It was Friday. Bitcoin may not be dead yet, but I do believe it's about to give way to the next gen. Those are exciting times. As we look at how the big ex-Bitcoin transition is likely to happen over the course of the rest of the crypto winter, whenever that might end, and how that bites the legacy crypto industry and the great transition begins to Crypto 2.0. Speaking of those who are trying to make the transition to Crypto 2.0, none are feeling the pain more acutely than Coinbase. Their CEO, Brian Armstrong, he's been giving some quite interesting interviews this week, most notably on CNBC, about how they can possibly manage the crypto winter. Anything could happen, he said, issuing a stark crypto market prediction after recent price collapses in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Somewhat of an endorsement, I think, for my crypto is dead, long live crypto message. Meanwhile, Crypto.com, they got UK regulatory approval this week, but at the same time, Crypto.com have reportedly laid off hundreds of employees. Now, that's hundreds more employees than we were discussing on Medium and LinkedIn in an article analysing job losses across the crypto sector in the course of the first half of this year. Indeed, the latest round of cuts at Crypto.com appears not to have been mentioned publicly. As one crypto com employee commented on LinkedIn, the company is hiding the fact that they've laid off more than 1,000 employees, even though they officially announced laying off 260. Meanwhile, as the crypto winter bites, the regulators have been biting, although admittedly it was slightly toothless on the part of the FDIC. They're the people who insure banking deposits in the United States of America. Nonetheless, they sent a strongly worded letter, cease and desist, they said to FTX US and four other entities who it seems had been, how might we put this charitably, erroneously stating that they had FDIC insurance backing for their customer deposits. I must say I find this a rather gutless statement by the FDIC. Hopefully we'll see a bit more backbone from the likes of Senator Elizabeth Warren in due course to make the US government actually enforce what amounted here to be, it seemed to the parish of exchanges, a prima facie example of companies fundamentally misleading clients as to the safety of their deposited money. Whether this was just abject incompetence or outright nefarious activity was tough to discern. But either way, it is frankly a disgrace that US regulators are not taking more action, particularly given the fact that just a few months ago, the FDIC issued the same message to Voyager. And what happened to Voyager? Oh yeah, it's going through chapter everything at the moment and about to disappear into, I would imagine, bankruptcy immolation. We live in hope, of course, that the CFTC are paying close attention to this FDIC initiative and will use this compliance lapse by FTX as another reason not to pursue their flawed a little $250 million clears us of the deed CCP proposals, as Lady Macbeth might have termed them had she been doing public policy advocacy for FTX. Speaking of FTX, they had an interesting leak last week. Apparently their revenue grew 1,000% during the crypto craze. Their revenue soared more than 1,000% from $89 million to $1.02 billion in 2021. Operating income was $272 million, up from $14 million a year earlier. FTX saw a net income of $388 million during the course of last year, up from just $17 million in the previous year. Now, 
an optimist would be hugely impressed by these numbers in raw statistical form. They look awesome. A more cynical soul might ponder a series of points. For example, just how much fundraising FTX may need, as after all it has been spending a lot on rescuing, acquiring different burning crypto entities of late. A billion dollars has been mentioned even in interviews with the FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried himself. Then again, some might consider the angle that FTX have been rumoured to be doing the twin funding tango on their own corporate assets, that's Topco and the US subsidiary, a little bit of a concern given just how profitable they were during the course of the last year. That doesn't altogether, the fact that they're looking for twin funding, i.e. they're trying to raise funding at the Topco and or the US subsidiary, or indeed and both, we believe it may be, that ultimately FTX balance sheet is just as safe as it might be despite the stratospheric growth before crypto winter bit. Then again, what would the multiple of FTX US actually be at the moment as it only amounts to apparently 7% of total US crypto business? Presumably that spin is a big growth number, which is part of the reason why they're trying to raise on either or, or indeed both, of these entities. Others might say it's just convenient to have such a document leak at this point when we believe FTX are trying to raise money. Or it's a case of this document has been so widely distributed, which some might say could smack of funding desperation, that in their search for series whatever, ultimately the results have appeared in the public domain. Meanwhile, over at Binance, their CEO, CZ, has cautioned investors against crypto bad players. I wonder who on earth he could have been speaking about. Elsewhere, hackers have apparently impersonated the CCO of Binance, Patrick Hillman, in a series of video calls with several representatives of crypto projects. Sounds like another nail in the work-from-home coffin to me, at least if you make meetings with people face-to-face, -face, it's a lot harder to plant dummy staff. Exchange Invest is the daily must-read by the most influential figures operating the world's best markets. We invite you to join the exclusive group of Boris Bosses and other C-suite executives who make Exchange Invest the Exchange of Information, their daily business intelligence guide to markets the world over. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at US$200 per user per year or currency equivalent, you can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. In product news this week, well, it seemed to be almost all about ICE. ICE launched 10 carbon credit futures vintages extending out to 2030. ICE have seen early industry support for their new US residential mortgage futures. And the terminal transfer fees have been waived. Well, the, actually, the wave has been extended, I ought to say, for the ICE Midland West Texas Intermediate AGC futures, which are making such a fascinating stir around the storage points of Houston. In competing against the, well, one has to say, rather decrepit Cushing WTI concept contract listed on the CME. Speaking of the CME, they're going to be launching Ether options on September the 12th, which will in fact be just ahead of the infamous merge of the Ethereum blockchains as they jump from proof of work to proof of stake. Moscow Exchange, finally this week, they have banned the use of dollars as collateral from August the 29th. In technology news this week, ooh, 
there's a bit of a whoops nasty brewing at MCX, the multi-commodity exchange. Even SEBI, the regulator, they've raised concerns over the uncertainty of the implementation deadline. SEBI has been told by MCX that MCX's chosen vendor, TCS, will not be able to deploy the new system in September as planned. Now, I'm not sure what the Gujarati for schadenfreude is, but this is the perfect dictionary example to accompany it. MCX, the Multi-Commodities Exchange of India, as you will recall, was the brainchild of Jignesh Shah, and indeed it was his poster business as he expanded into the exchange world. Now, Jignesh was unceremoniously thrown out of the MCX over the National Spot Exchange fiasco. Financial technologies, now known as 63 Moons, were banned from tendering from the replacement of their system at the MCX exchange last year. Now, TCX have failed to deliver, leaving the multi-commodity exchange's new management having to go cap in hand to financial technologies, who at the best of times have retained shark-like perceptiveness when there are a few molecules of blood in the water. The MCX is now openly bleeding from an artery with no sign of rescue. Clearly, the legacy vendor will not so much be demanding a pound of flesh as wondering whether to leave any flesh behind when calculating its interim fee. From Macbeth and FTX, we have Shylock personified in the Indian Parish of Exchanges. And thus, in what is only a brief review of the many exciting pieces of news in the world of exchanges, if you want to see, read them all, you need to be a subscriber to Exchange Invest Daily, which is well worth the money at only $300 a year these days. However, let's look at Big World finally to wrap out the week. First of all, a little reported fact. Greece last weekend concluded 12 years of European Union fiscal surveillance that was imposed in return for multiple bailouts after their crushing debt euro crisis. Paolo Gentiloni, the European Commissioner for Economy, stated the end of enhanced surveillance for Greece also marks the symbolic conclusion of the most challenging period the euro has experienced. That's presumably until the next euro crisis. And of course, this all happened just days ahead of the euro crashing below parity against the US dollar. Over in South America, Argentina is preparing to restrict imports amid a foreign exchange shortage yet again. And indeed, an Argentine presidential candidate has been sued for promoting a crypto Ponzi scheme. Given pretty much every Argentine president, and please message me if you can think of any exceptions, since World War II has been running a Ponzi scheme masquerading as a national economy, should this not be a badge of honour in the perverse world of Argentine, for want of a better term, political economics? And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, creator of Exchanges and Markets the World Over, advisor to Exchange and Markets the World Over, and indeed also the publisher of the Exchange Invest News Service for the Bourse Business. I want to wish you all a very good week in blockchain, life and markets. We'll be back next week for episode 159. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. 
Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.